Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has been working as an ambassador to the Middle East for mental health for the past few years. Growing up in the Middle East, the concept of mental health was something he wasn't aware of until he made the move to Canada for university and went through his own struggle with mental health and was diagnosed with clinical depression. Fast forward to today, he has been able to completely turn his life around and heal. He created his nonprofit company called Empower Mag, which is a magazine and blog that focuses on bringing awareness to the issues of mental health in the Middle East, and in 2019 was recognized by Harvard as one of the top seven social initiatives and provided him with opportunity to sit on panels and speak at the World Health Organization. He also has a podcast called Empathy Always Wins that provides a platform for him to have discussions with people surrounding all aspects of mental health. During this episode, we discuss his experience with depression, he shares with us his vision for the future of Empower Mag and the impact he hopes to make. And we talk about the importance of not just bringing awareness, but implementing initiatives to change the mindset surrounding mental health on a global scale. He is a firm believer that in order to make significant and lasting changes in society is to focus on mental health education on all levels. He has become a voice for the voiceless and is leading the charge to make mental health cool and part of our daily discussions. And the best piece of advice he wanted to share is to give people the space to vent and release their emotions rather than immediately trying to fix the problem. Please welcome to the show, my good friend, Mr. Ali Salama. Thank you so much, Khaled. How's, uh, how's your day? It's going well, man. It's going well. You know, we have a day off here today, so just, you know, enjoying it. But uh, also doing some prep for the podcast. So I'm really, really, like, excited to speak to you. I've been, so me and you met, for the people who don't know, me and you uh, met through LinkedIn. And because you hosted a webinar last week all about podcasting in the Middle East, and it was super interesting. And I did some more research into what you do about, like, your mental health and your mental health ambassador and that's an area i'm really passionate about as well so i thought it'd be amazing to have you on the show and speak to you but for the people who don't know ali why don't you just give everyone a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there yeah so um a little bit about myself is that yani i actually used to live in dubai too um i now live in toronto um uh, i grew up in yani i was born and raised in cairo and uh, for for a good time for a good chunk of my life I believe about 14 to 15 years, uh, I swam professionally. And, uh, you know, I swam at the World uh, Championships in, in Dubai. As I, I believe that was the last time I actually swam, uh, like, on a, uh, at a very big event in 2014. I moved to Toronto here, um, and I used to actually go to Dubai English-speaking college as well in Dubai. Um, uh, that's right by Academic City. It's a British school, and uh, I did my A-levels there. Yeah, I was the, you know, the swim team captain, the water polo captain. I, I, I really was immersed into sports and athletics. And uh, it all changed when, like, I came here and I thought, and by the way, I, I got really high grades as well. So that really boosted my confidence. And I was like, yeah, I don't need to finish grade 13. Uh, I just came to Toronto straight away because, you know, why do grade year 13 when, you know, I, I, I already knew I wanted to come to Canada. So I came here very yeah, and just right before I turned 18, I was 17, and I thought I could do very well, uh, you know, take by the world by storm. And I always knew I had this entrepreneurial drive in me. Um, I was a, I was a singer as well. Like I won my a talent show at at, uh, at desk the year that I left, and uh, so I I always loved arts, business, showbiz, music. Um, what I had no idea about was mental health, so <laughs> I never actually had it in my mind. Um, and then I came here and, you know, I couldn't settle. It was the hardest thing ever. And I don't think a lot of people really understand, you know, yeah, you could be someone that could speak English. Yeah, you could be someone that, you know, 
Lafitte Lalam, you've been around the world, but living somewhere, like living literally in the heart of downtown Toronto and not feeling, you know, like you belong or, or, or feeling super uh, homesick or, or, or whatever that may be, um, is a very different feeling because, you know, the culture is different. I, I was raised on playing football. I didn't even know basketball rules. I didn't know, I didn't know how to connect. I wasn't the type of guy that, you know, would watch hockey nights. Like I just couldn't connect with just basic friendships yeah. and connection is so important. So that's when I really took a very deep downfall. And that's when I, you know, I got really, really scared about what mental health is because I was experiencing what I then, what I now know was clinical depression. And it was just the worst thing ever. But I'm, yeah, and when I had no one to look up to, I was like, I need to take on this mission just as competitively and ferociously as I did with all my sports and all my other endeavors. So that's why I do what I do today. And uh, I've now launched, you know, Empower Magazine, uh, which is the Middle East's first mental health magazine for the past year and, and a bit now. Uh, I think we have over uh, around 100,000 uh, hits. Oh, wow. We've launched, yeah, reads on the magazine. Um, you know, it's all organic ever since we started. Of course, it's not sustainable. So I'm, I'm in a phase where I'm looking at where I can, what I can do right now, whether it's a mental health show or whether it's something that can actually have a, a, a proper uh, uh, business model and a revenue generating system other than just depending on ads, which I, I'm not really a big fan of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really a, bit, a little bit about myself. I can talk <laughs> about you know about that for ages, but I, I probably you have. Uh, I want I want to make sure we're steering in the right directions here. Sure. No, I appreciate that, and thank you for giving us that intro. I think um, so. When I was doing my research about you, and from the conversations I've had with people on the podcast surrounding mental health, everyone who's passionate about it has gone through their own mental health struggles, their own their own journey of mental health and understanding themselves and so on. And for you, what was interesting is that the you were you were diagnosed uh, with clinical depression, but it came from a place that I didn't expect it to come from, uh, honestly, and which was the feeling of that you didn't belong where you where you're living now in Toronto and Canada and that you struggle to connect with people. So for the people who don't know, and because Dr. Nasser on the episode that you had described, he's a 40 guys for the people who don't know, he's a psychiatrist with 40 years experience. He's one of the most renowned, I believe in Cairo, if I'm not mistaken. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. yeah, he's actually the World Federation for Mental Health President elect. Oh, wow. Okay. One of the most renowned Arab uh, uh, mental health professionals in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that so one thing that he said that was super interesting was because um, go check out the episode, guys. But basically, he got uh, COVID and he experienced depression himself. And what he said was, with, even with his 40 years of experience in the mental in like psychiatry and so on, he didn't understand depression until he went through it himself. No matter how many books he read, no matter all his experience, he didn't understand, you know, how that actually feels to be going through like to be depressed. So. I thought it'd be interesting for you to, if you could just walk us through, Ali, what were you, when you were in that, you know, that phase of your life, what were you thinking about? What were the, like, what were the feelings that were coming up and how did you start addressing that and like making the changes to become, to get to where you are now? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Yanni, for mentioning this episode. Uh, I'll definitely shoot you a link and it's, uh, it's on empathy always wins my, my, my podcast. I, yeah. I think that, it's so important to have these conversations. So thank you for shouting it out. Um, going back to your question on, on, on how does it feel 
and uh, and really يعني, walk us through maybe a, a day or, 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 or walk us through an experience i think in very simple terms it's it's uh it's something unfathomable in a way that uh, you know it's the experience that uh, is very different from being lazy uh, it's it's when your brain chemicals do not produce enough you know endorphins and the chemicals that allow you to function normally and you start to typically experience high levels of anxiety which is different from stress anxiety is when you overthink everything from like what pants am i going to wear does someone going to see the stain but like and you were never this person that cared about anything and so you overthink everything you start to worry that i lock my and 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 you can't continue functioning in that mo- in that present moment in your day to day because of all the thoughts that cripple your mind mm. so uh that it starts typically with that it starts typically with 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 a with a, with a roaring sense of um yani uh, uncertainty around your mind and when your mind starts to feel whack like you don't know what's happening inside it's kind of like crisis mode it's danger mm. it's a danger zone and so so you start to really feel depleted and you start to really feel like you can't pick up phone calls and so you start to really feel like you can't reply to this person you start to really feel like you can't put that same amount of energy when you thought that wow like what's going on here like i i i i and then you start to feel like it's 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 drug you waking up and then you start to feel like you know you want to live in your own isolated world and and it's not because you want other people to 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 to, to feel like they're not enough no it's you just can't give people because you know you can't give yourself and unfortunately sometimes it gets even more burdensome when uh people keep hitting you up hey, are you okay are you okay and you just that even pisses you off even more because you're like you're overthinking that mm. and that becomes a point of crisis in your mind well, what are people thinking oh my god and it's like mental health like i supposed to be that strong person and like it starts to mess you up and unfortunately yeah i just didn't uh, quite understand because to me like you know i grew up in you know in, in egypt and or in dubai and like to be strong is, is a very different uh, uh, notion definition. than yeah yeah it's a very different definition like what the hell like i i'm this is supposed to be easy uh, and no one would understand it but i think because of the lack of education we have and and a lot of things that we don't really put into consideration when we are growing up and developing understanding and you know a reason i called my show empathy always wins is because that's a key skill set that we the 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 as arab as uh, or as just minority community even bangladesh indian pakistani not just arab just anyone who's a anyone who's who isn't western anyone who isn't caucasian they don't really um understand it much because we're very close to each other so we're always used to being in other people's and others business and blah 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 uh, but when we start to think about those questions or well, what if this person is uh, we start to really develop Uh, better emotional intelligence and better leadership skills I mean, and we start to really empower people in a much more sustainable manner and and, and i think that you know at our root core uh, in our arabic in our in our philosophy or in our religions or in our whatever this is there but culture is very different from religion and it's very important to 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 to, to know that our culture in the middle east uh, is sometimes uh, a big a big a big a big factor 
in, 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 in keeping our mental health a little bit unstable because sometimes we don't give the space, we don't give people uh, what they need to truly develop into their own selves because uh, you know, when we have kids, you know, we don't own them. We, as much as we try to control them, uh, and, you know, parents need to understand and, and parenting with influence is much better than parenting with control. And those are all the different topics that I truly uh, uptake and empower because it's supposed to be aimed at the, you know, the 18 to 27, 28 year old youth uh, that is growing up and starting to experience world a world that is so different to their parents and their um and 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 everyone in their family because the rate of change in society today is so much different than the rate of change in society in our parents generation like i i i think a day ago i shared something on my my facebook like all the technologies that used to be you know antiques in someone's home are now in a are now in a four by five inch technology in your pocket like what's going on we never had that many distractions happening we our minds are not designed for that so no like you know no no shit we're gonna experience anxiety yeah uh first of all thanks so much for sharing your story about like the process that you went through and how that actually started to develop and where it came from i didn't know just on that on that small part how long did was that like phase from when you started like feeling that anxiety and those thoughts about like your shirt or like this or that till like maybe your lowest point did it spiral really quickly out of control or did it take some time or was it over a long period of time what would you say i would say that definitely three years three years wow i mean okay I've i've been here for six years now and um, I've started to only make friends last year. Like I couldn't, wow. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't actually, you know, uh, merge into society. I mean, and this, that's the thing people, I mean, I was just, as I told you off the record, you know, I had a friend over yesterday and we were watching, uh, <laughs> we were watching a cool movie. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, dude, you know that, um, like, I've only been able to do this with, with you, um, only like I don't have anything outside of this except for maybe one other friend and you know we don't do this we you know I just uh, do something else with this friend that is much more music related mm. and I was like really I was like yeah you've been six years and I was telling him that well that's exactly why I do empower man because all that I've been through did not allow me to feel like I can have friends and so that, that's an illness i mean that's an illness it's just people don't don't you know if i was in hospital or if i was in a another place whatever debilitates you from living an ordinary life and i know there's no such thing as ordinary but i mean by by ordinary i mean by having people that you rely on close friends you know when you meet someone and they tell you oh i don't have friends or i don't rely on people or i don't have a support system to call if I need any support, then there's something definitely wrong with this person, or there's something fundamentally wrong with their beliefs, or not so something's not going well because yeah. we are meant to wire. So that that's exactly what I was going through, and I think that made me realize how important or why I do what I do. So I think, Yanni, if anything, I hope this this answers your question. Yeah, no, it really does, man. And I love the passion that you talk about when you're like speaking about this. I can see I can see it on your face and how you're talking about what you went through and to get to where you are now is 
I commend you, honestly. And anyone who's gone through their own mental health journey and has reached a new phase in their life and is doing the kind of work that you're doing, being an advocate for mental health and an ambassador, I think that's pretty amazing. So congratulations on that because I know it's not easy. Um, I wanted to come to, how did, so for the people who don't know, you are the mental health ambassador to the Middle East, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So walk us through that journey to go from like six years ago being where you were to here you are now as a mental health ambassador. I think that's pretty awesome. So walk us through what that is. How did you get there? And like, what does that mean? What's What does that role entail for you? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I essentially I have a business degree. I have a business degree in entrepreneurship and innovation at Ryerson University. And um, a big part of my degree was to, uh, you know, test and iterate ideas and make sure that, you know, this degree is revolutionary in the sense that entrepreneurship isn't now a, um, uh, isn't now, uh, you, it's not a guessing game. It's a, it's, it's a science. And even though it's a bachelor's of commerce, during what I was going through, the only thing that made sense to me was to, you know, actually, you know, put a Google form out, you know, go and test whether I was the only crazy person like who was feeling this because I had never heard anyone talk about mental health. I actually didn't really, you know, I, I wasn't a believer in mental health before. I would be the guy making fun of people being weak because I was apparently thinking myself I was very strong. Um, which, you know, a lot of us Arabs, you know, we do. We're like, we're always, in wars. We're, we're always in wars. We're always wanting to flex and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, I've gotten to a point where, yeah, I, I, I've agreed that it, there's nothing wrong with admitting that uh, you might be at fault. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, 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 one thing that made me realize what we needed to do during my program was when I was going through this experience, I put up a Google form and it went absolutely viral in Egypt. Uh, it, was, it was share your story anonymously, break the silence, Egypt. And like overnight, I got over 100 and more than 170 essays of people that were writing their deepest, darkest secrets without their name on it. And, you know, I was getting people who were, you know, molested when they were kids and now unable to have any form of sexual experience or like they were second guessing themselves, girls that were, you know, every single thing that you could possibly imagine in that, in that form. We're talking about family, uh, stuff that happens in the family that, you know, you would not never expect uncles and all the stuff that you hear in the Arab world that goes under the rug. And I'm not here to criticize my Arabic culture. I actually love being Arab. I love being Egyptian. But uh, what I sometimes really don't like and what I learned from this experiment and why Empower became and why I started to stand, I decided to stand up was someone had to, someone had to relate. Someone had to step up and, and, and say, Yani, what this person is saying is like legit. Like you, there's, there's a difference between knowing something and acting upon something. Knowing something is knowing things happen. Acting upon something is being a voice to the voiceless. And, uh, and, and that's what I've decided to do. I've just decided to, speak up like i know that are there are like you know there are there are things that are not right happening and i you know it made me understand it made me empathize with and, and not just say oh you know 25 percent of egyptians are going through a mental health disorder no like what are the mental health disorders now from my experience i'm able to say like oh yeah marriages are 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 the are are, are 
are being broken, not because of just poor uh, relationships in the bedroom. No, it's because of poor communication. It's because of people not being able to have the 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 the, the intake to understand what it means to you know have a different type of responsibility. It's because of you know the culture in our. Uh, in, in our part of the region that spends so much on getting prepared and hyping things up that, 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 that there is no meetings of the mind, which over here people typically have, and that enables longevity in a relationship. All these things that, that, that do not allow for a healthy uh, relationship to happen leads, for example, to that. And perhaps now I understand that a lot of, because of the sexual harassment cases that I really got into. And, you know, my friend who was featured on the New York Times, uh, Nadine Ashraf, who made Assault Police, I think in one week, she got over 270,000 followers, which happened wow. through a major case in Egypt. Yeah, we got to understand how uh, women feel about sexual harassments and how they are super, super against uh, you know, being in relationships and, and communicating in, in certain ways and their lack of trust in men, all these factors play a huge role in women in the workplace, women in blah, in blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, you get to understand and when you speak on like panels and on podcasts like this, you're able to communicate that the struggle isn't a, a, a gender struggle. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a literacy struggle. It's an educational struggle. And being the person that I am as, as an ambassador, I actually, yani, after doing Empower, after Harvard, you know, uh, ranking us as the top seven most impactful in the region, I actually decided to, 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 to give that title to myself just because when I go anywhere in the Middle East, I'm able to say, hey, like, look, this is what needs to be done because knowing the amount of data being being asked to sit on youth um, uh, uh, on youth advisory boards by the World Health Organization or all these things, I realized that we have no we have nobody talking on mental health. We have nobody. We have no point of reference, and not from a psychological standpoint, from a, a sociological standpoint, from a society standpoint, because that is so much more powerful than. A doctor speaking, and Dr. Nasser actually brought me to the World Health Organization in uh, in summer 2019, um, and that's when I realized that someone who has a lived experience is ten times more powerful in terms of spreading a message. I'm not saying in terms of actually uh, having a, a therapy or in terms of actually having treatment or yeah. diagnosing or, or practicing mental, uh, practicing delivering a service. No, I mean it from a storytelling standpoint and he brought like 90 i think that world health organization workshop had 90 arab journalists and i was chilling with them for three days in sharm sheikh and on the last day i stood up and they all thought like i was dr nasser's son or like, like i was like you know his whatever because me and nasser are like very 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 close um he's uh, he's guided me like he's my mentor he's guided me through the whole process um when i stood up to speak on the third day you know, I was this guy who was cracking jokes with them, eating with them, you know, it was a whole thing in the, at the hotel and the conference uh, sort of room. And on the third day, when I stood up and spoke, they were like, are you serious? Like, we've been writing about people like you and we thought that they would never have a, a future or they should be like blacklisted from society and all these things. And here you are, like, there's definitely, and that's why I think that's the most powerful thing that I realized in, 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 um, 
in the work that I do, it's not just breaking stigmas because that's just like a very, very mainstream thing. Oh, let's break the stigma. Let's end it. No, it's like when someone says that to me, I just tell them, shut up. I, I'm all about empowering people and empowering people to understand that there's more uh, than just the, the, the surface. There's more than um, there's more than what we see. Yeah. I think something you said that is super interesting and something I didn't consider before, which is you mentioned three key things, which I think are super important in in the work you're doing and why maybe in our part of the world, like you said, in our society, I, of course, I love the Arab culture, but listen, there's no such thing as a perfect culture. Each culture has its own problems and its own things. In ours, it's not, you know, uh, strength is not showing, you know, not showing emotion. Strength is, you know, not like speaking about certain things. You know, you're not allowed to speak about that. You're not allowed to feel, you're not even allowed to feel that sometimes. So the things you talked about, about, education, literacy, and communication, I think those three are so key to make any long-lasting change. Because like you said, it's great to bring the awareness, but if you're not implementing the right tools or processes to start making those changes, it's just more information. It's just more noise. It's more noise for you. You're not going to really take that in, understand it, and start to implement it. So on that point, how do we start, in, or in the work that you do, What's the process look like to start going from awareness to actionable change? What does that look like? Because you can go like give a speech, like you said, give a keynote, you can bring that awareness. But then how do we start translating that into some actionable steps to start changing, you know, society and like businesses, whatever the case might be, or start having that conversation? That's a great question. I don't think like any Arab person has ever asked me this question. So this is a very, very, very good question. I think that uh, um, the way to actually start uh, acting uh, is by enforcing, uh, whether it's in schools, uh, whether it's in the workplace, uh, mental health uh, workplace initiatives, which uh, allow people to, to space to, to feel or allow people space to learn or allow people space to become better leaders. There's a reason why, like, you know, when I came up with this show, my son, Empathy Always Wins, it's not just a mental health show. No, no, no. It's meant for business leaders and it's meant for people like us. It's meant to showcase the importance of having emotional intelligence. So, you know, in, 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 the, in the efforts to educate people on mental health, shouldn't just be on depression, anxiety, mood disorder, psychotic disorder, schizophrenia, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That's like turning people off from the entire topic. Mental well-being and mental health is a spectrum. It's from thriving to absolutely like barely surviving. So, on that spectrum, you have so many different, uh, so many different levels and so many different uh, scopes. You know whether you're, and people need to understand that um, that feelings have words to them. So sometimes we only use, I believe we only use maybe around ten ways to describe how we feel all the time. Like is like oh I'm quiet, like how are you? I'm fine. But no, there are, there's there, there's an. A, I can't remember what it's called. It's the wheel of something. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Understanding how to express is is a form of 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 art by itself, and that enhances people's uh, leadership skills. Whether it be in the workplace or in schools, there must be you know in in, in English schools or British schools we have PSHE, personal uh, develop, personal learning. I, th I think it was personal uh, health or something like that. It's where people learn about sex education and all these things. I think it's very important in schools to have uh, a, a class that teaches them about their well-being, that teaches them about their, their 
emotional responses. If people want to, you know, live in a time, especially during these times today, where students are going to achieve better, they need to understand what the lifestyle of a student looks like, or what the lifestyle of a of a working professional looks like, with all the distractions around us, and how can you make your employee or your student's life beyond your workplace the best that it like how can you enhance their uh, emotional intelligence or mental health intellect so that they can perform better and they can you know you can if you're selfish this will work for you if you're selfless this will work for you too it's how you think about it so if you want your company to succeed you need to be able to care for the people that are working there and how do you care for them it's not just by giving them days off because people will take days off regardless if you have a mental health workplace initiative or not because you know nowadays we're we're seeing that most days taking off are due to work stress related issues then so so if you if you might as well had transparency then people would feel a little bit safer all these things will make someone when you implement them in org or in a school or in any institution feel a bit safer for them to feel more human in a world where un like inhumane demands are being thrown at us so it's about making someone feel safe in their in their workplace environment and that requires budgets and that requires people forward thinking people taking action and you know what the programs are here like i i work very closely with the mental health commission of canada it's one of the leading uh, boards in terms of finding evidence based research and programs and making putting them together and just selling them to the world at at, at, at prices that are reasonable because they're they're a government organization but it's not hard to implement it's just who is willing to mm. take the first step and who's willing to be a pioneer in that stage and this is why I'm, i've decided to really uh, work in speaking and work uh, to consult more because that is where i find more more of the impact rather than uh, yeah yeah more of the impact no 100% and i think something you said that was I think the whole initiative idea is great. And like you said, because it, uh, it needs to start in businesses. But the interesting part that you talk about that I didn't consider is the schools. Because I think, like you correctly said, we weren't like growing up, we didn't know what something called emotional intelligence is. We didn't know that didn't even exist in our world. We didn't know about how to think, how to understand our emotions, how to do all that. So on the school part, I think it's super useful because if from a young age you're taught these things and have these tools and develop this awareness and have a better emotional intelligence and understanding of yourself think about you're kind of like you're building or like the next generation of people who actually know about this stuff are passionate about this stuff and it, then you have like the exponential effect as time goes on because those people will then teach their kids and so on and so on and so on so i think the school aspect is super useful and one thing you said um in your intro on the podcast was helping leaders or changing the perspective of leaders to care more about people than profits and i think that was such an amazing way to say it because like you said nowadays profit is always you know the number one thing and you said correctly most people take days off because of mental health issues myself i've gone through mental health struggles at work and my performance uh dipped all that dipped so i took days off because i just was i just couldn't work i was didn't have the motivation i was in the right headspace so i think both those initiatives, particularly the school one, I think would be super useful. And it makes sense that you're consulting because that's where you have the direct impact. It's not just speaking at an event. That's where you can go in and understand and speak to people and like change the change thought leadership. I wanted to come on to, you said, because I remember you said you spoke at, uh, you've, been, you've spoken at the World, 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 World Health Organization uh, with youth programs and so on. And something I was thinking about is 
from the conversations you've had, because you've had a conversation with so many different people and different cultures and so on, what does the mental health conversation look like on a global scale? And what I mean is, for example, from an Arab perspective, we think about mental health in a certain way, but India might think of it in that way. China might have a different perspective. So what have you learned on like an international scale about the differences that people, different cultures, how they perceive mental health? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in the Arab culture, people think, you know, mental health as uh, they really tie it to religion a lot of the times, you know. A lot of the times people tie it to, you know, um, things that are lacking due to, um, you know, a lack of closeness to God or or people tie all the, 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 the devil stuff, you know, you need to go to, um, you know, a sheikh to, to have a reading on you, to, to, to cleanse your soul, all these things. And th- those are still very real. I mean, it's just not in maybe the upper uh, class, but like, you know, we don't, what we don't see, we can't neglect uh, because this still happens. Uh, so the conversation starts from usually there when something is wrong or when something is very off. I think it's very hard to accept sometimes that it's it's okay not to be okay. And I know this statement is like very, very, very overused, but it's very hard for an Arab, for an Arab Egyptian, Emirati, Saudi, to, to, to accept that his daughter or his son may have a, a mood disorder and that they need a little bit more attention. It's I, I think it's, it's, it's much more easier for them to, to think that you know they're born with a defect then ex, then expect then then put a name uh, of a mental health disorder on them and be okay with that it's just it's just seen as a little bit of a shame unfortunately mm. um, and that's the same for all minority cultures in the in the west of course there's a little bit of tolerance because there's a little bit more education and there's more um, there's more um, there's more room and there's more budgeting and there's there's a lot more consideration which is essentially you know what we were saying in in the other question before or in the other segment that we were having so you know if we come to see for example how autistic people here are treated uh you know people with autism in canada and even in the uae now the uae is is, i think the world leader uh, the arab world leader in in taking steps forward but you know back in the day you know and not too long ago, we used to hit them and we used to, you know, try to control them and, 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 and really try to do it that by force. Unfortunately, that metaphor can be used on mental health as a, as a whole with us as a, as a population. So there's no longer, it's no longer a force game. It's, it's more of an impact game. And the people who are going to take action quicker are the companies that are truly going to see the best retentions on, on everything, on workplace uh, absenteeism, on, on, on profits, on, on employee satisfaction. And that's going to be a word of mouth too. You'll hear that before it even gets uh, onto the reports because uh, you, can't, you can't fake energy and you can't fake people uh, when they're happy or when they're seeing change being made in the direction that they, they truly have always wanted to see change. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a great point that you mentioned. And two things uh, that really stuck out was when you spoke about how in minority cultures, there's and in like the difference between minority cultures and for example, like Western cultures, like you were talking about is two things that really stood out is consideration one to actually be more accepting of that. And number two is the education. I think that's the bedrock of everything we've spoken about today regarding mental health is that education in so many parts of the world and why this is such a big issue and why it's so important to have these conversations is to 
educate people on the importance of this and why we need to be having these discussions. And that brings me on to Empower uh, and your magazine. Uh, and I know you guys have, like I, I, read, a, I read an article online, actually uh, one of your articles surrounding social media that was very, very interesting talking about opinions and being in the social light and how s- social pressure can influence your decision and so on. But I wanted to ask you because online we both know there's so many outlets for learning about like mental health and like classes and tools and so on. So in your own words, I was curious, what do you feel is different about Empower? What makes you guys unique? And you, what do you think? I think it's just youth writing for youth. I think that okay. the most important thing is that, you know, um, and, and that's something I also want to say. And it's something that I, I truly believe, Yanni, it's why I love supporting anyone who's young, um, you know, and I consider us being young in, in, in a global scheme of, you know, the professional world. Um, you know, I've had so many people reach out to me uh, and we do have very good, you know, uh, psychologists in the MENA region and, and we have professionals, but it's very different when you have an issue when you're young, sitting next to someone who you maybe think is, you know, very similar to in age to your mom or, or, mm. or you don't relate to you want someone who's who who feels you who, who understands what it's like growing up in an environment that you know it's texting is the norm or or certain certain yani how could i say it certain things that you can relate to on a on a on a on a, on a sub professional level because at the end of the day you know you can have the best therapist in the world you can't connect you can't connect that's it and there's nothing wrong with that so youth always want to speak in a manner that it's educational that gets to the point but that also is relatable to them and that's the only difference that's the only difference youth empowering youth youth empowering youth i think that's i didn't consider that that point to be honest and i think something mentioned that's super interesting is the relatability because people like especially with youth you know you're relating to someone who's going through the same things who understands what you're going through and who communicates in the same way that you do so you can be like oh yeah He's, he's like me, that's fine, I can have this conversation, but like, I think the age gap that you talked about is super, it's a very important to take into consideration because that it needs to start from the ground up, like from youth, and you build that upwards because if you can start addressing these things, the younger you start addressing these things, the much better you're going to be in the long term. And the more people I think you'll be able to, to potentially help as well. I wanted to come on to the social media part that I just mentioned briefly. And in your work, what have you... How have you seen the impact of social media on mental health? Because we know there have been studies and that a documentary came out, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and that just blew my mind on how powerful this stuff is and how much it really changes our perspective. So from the work you've done, what have you found to be, what are the findings that you found regarding social media and like mental health? Look, I think social media is a great tool, but unfortunately many people are using it to make a career out of it, which is like ridiculous because if you're making a career out of being likable, on a second to second basis, you're, you're, you're doomed to, you're doomed to, to be the most depressed person in the world. Uh, like, that's just the way it is. Uh, you lose yourself, you know, you're always after numbers, your, your self-esteem, your worth is, is completely after, uh, based on, based on eyeballs. I mean, you know, you you become a billboard. I mean, that is where I disagree with social media being how it can be used. But if you're using it as a, as a tool, as a way to supplement your, your message or as a way to supplement anything that you do that's the most beautiful way you can use it but unfortunately people are seeing that other people are getting access to 
things, uh, you know, influencers or, and, and unfortunately, it is it is a time that is scary for many people that you know uh, do not see beyond that. And unfortunately, in the day and age that we live in, this instant gratif- instantly gratifying age, we need to understand that some people do not see beyond five years. They do not see what a career means. They just see what they believe that is possible because they want to feel a certain feeling because you know with social media we also have so many people living in isolated worlds that are farther apart than ever before so if and that that goes again to what i'm saying it goes if you use it as a tool more so as a way to build your career if you're building your career on social media uh, as this to be the prime revenue of source, you eat, you sleep, you're feeding yourself off of it. It's super dangerous, super dangerous, very dangerous. So that's that's my take on it. And I believe that it's a great tool. I just believe that it's designed to 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 to, to make us it's designed actually to mimic the way drugs um, uh, drugs uh, elicitate uh, chemicals in your mind. So the more you're spending time on it, the more hooked you are on it, the more you get disassociated with reality because this is not reality. And the more you think in terms of this currency, which is social me- the social media currency, the more you think of it, the more you think of life in that currency, the more you, you get con- consumed in that and you forget, you know, what does it feel like to be present? What does it feel like to, to take a breath and not feel like I want to snap this so that everyone can see it so that I have more numbers, you know? We're not meant to be robots, my friend. We're, we're meant to be. But I know people who feel like that and who are always thinking as an, so again, think like an entrepreneur, but, but, but if you're thinking like an entrepreneur within the social like influencer realm, it is the recipe for ultimate failure. And that is not the technology's fault. That is the user's fault. And that's part of emotionally being intelligent and wise. And this is a part of a program that if a school ever had with regards to mental health, it needs to teach that because those technologies are only going to get stronger, uh, better, faster, 5G. So we just have to be smarter, wiser, and uh, and not slaves to the technology that will inevitably ruin our, our minds. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, 100%. I think you, first of all, saying that that with the school aspect, having mental health regarding social media in school would is super important because I have... A younger sister, she's 16, and I see how, like, their lives on the phone. Like, you take the phone away, life is over. That's it. So it perfectly talks about what you're talking about, and it's all of them. Like, everyone in her generation, that's how it is. They're so addicted to their phones. But what you also said that was interesting about social media, and which I totally agree, is it trains... Like you said, there is a drug. That like, when you get that like, it feels that dopamine thing, like, oh, I feel good. Okay, cool. And it just keeps building like that. And it makes your gratification, like you said, instant. So I need it to, if I don't get it now, um, I start feeling upset. And it starts hindering your thinking from going short term to long term. And also that all your self-worth and what makes you happy and what you think about yourself is now all coming externally. It's all external validation. So I didn't get the likes. Oh, I must be bad. I must be ugly. I must be not enough. Whatever the case might be. So it, like you said, it is a tool and there's, with any tool can be used in the right way or the wrong way. So, and also having it as your prime source as of income is probably not the best idea because I also think about when I think about influence and so on, I'm like, what if Instagram goes tomorrow? 
what do you what do you do then like what's the next what's your next move you don't, there isn't a next move and that's the problem it traps it traps you in that world yeah i know i think the point you mentioned about like using it in the right way and the instant gratification is so so true and so useful but like you said if you use it correctly it can be a huge it can be a huge you know push it can be a huge push for us you know moving forward so yeah Ali, like we were talking about i wanted to get on to uh your podcast empathy always wins and i heard your episode with dr nasser and i thought it was super really interesting man and i thought you guys had some very good questions for him and one thing i was thinking about so the name first of all i love the name i think empathy is super important but this is the thing i was thinking about i'm like empathy is important and yes it does always win but do you think there's a limit to empathy? Do you think there's like, let's say there's like a spectrum, like I can empathize with you till a certain point and then it gets to a point that I just, you know, I can't, it, I can't anymore. It doesn't feel, it, it'd be wrong to maybe do that. What do, what do you think? Do you think there's a limit to empathy? Of course, of course. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, uh, it's, does it really always win? Is that the question? So of course, of course, of course, like it doesn't always, always win, but uh, seeing where we are in the world, you know, it always wins uh, just because we aren't empathetic. So it's more of a statement rather than uh, it's more of a, of a thing to catch you off guard rather than a, a, a clear cut, you know, point blank statement that I'm making. But so, of course, empathy, just like anything else, if it if you're overutilizing it, if you're being overly empathetic with somebody, then you're going to actually break your boundary that you are supposed to set with people because not everybody is supposed to, um, you're not supposed to heal everybody. That's not your job. Not even as a leader, you're supposed to empower them. And that's why, you know, that's why we have mental illness. Mental illness is, is very, you know, it, I know you listened to Dr. Nasser's episode. It's very irrational. It's very, it's the only, it's very difficult, different to physical illness because it, it doesn't make, it's the only illness that you don't want to get better from. It's, it's, and, and, and to the rational mind, to the healthy mind listening to us, it's different from breaking a, an arm and wanting, you know, wanting to feel that you can stretch it now and you can feel your hands and, and, and thumbs and, and fingers. Mental illness isn't like that. But I was saying empathy is is different because it's um you can't you can't jump into someone's boat when they are like that and expect to help them out because sometimes you can't really help someone out um, and it's not your job. So again, does it always win for the leaders and managers? It will make them so much more personal and and, and respected a, a ton more. Because when you're personal, when you, when you ask the question, hey, I realized, I, I know that it was your, your kid's football game yesterday. How did that go? You're, 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 you're seeking a much deeper connection than how did, how did our report go yesterday? Did you manage to finish you know, the last section that we spoke about? Oh, and your kid, man, did, did your kid end up scoring that goal that you wanted to, him to score for that match that was completely off-related to work? But that bonds him to you more because you're not just working, you're personal. It's kind of like, you know, we're family. We're, we're, we're not just, we're, my interest isn't just in your, uh, in your business. Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point, man. And I think, like you said, there is a limit to empathy, um, sorry, empathy, but 
on the larger scale, that's how, whether it's in business, whether it's personal relationships, whatever the case might be, any relationship, that is what opens the door to a deeper connection. And that's what opens the door to a much better, you know, understanding. And I like the example that you said, it becomes more personal. And at the end of the day, you're like, it's people dealing with people. So everyone has their own like shit. Everyone has their own stuff. They're going through their own challenges that we not we might not be aware of. So giving themselves that extra bit of compassion i think in the long run is always more beneficial in your ex- in your life is there an example you have where you like where like this empathy always wins kind of like rings true do you have an example of that and okay. we just spoke about it like off record with nasa so at harvard okay that that i, I met so just for a reference, I, I went to Harvard last year and um, it was just after launching Empower Magazine, I received a, a DM on my Instagram from uh, a friend of mine telling me, hey, you cannot miss this event. I was like, what is this event? I soon realized that there's Harvard's putting an Arab mental health panel. Like, holy cow. Like, wow, wow, wow. So I was like, okay, uh, I need to go there. Uh, little did I know that this mental health keynote speaker was the world federation for mental health president elect and this person is an honorary uh, member of, uh, in the british uh, royal psychiatry i mean there's so many things that i can't even remember about this guy but he's very very renowned in what he does and um so i went there and of course when we say empathy always wins and when we come to really take action on everything that sort of this podcast is about being emotionally intelligent, how do you present yourself and all these things, just, you know, a real life example was me meeting him and just talking very openly and vulnerable in a very vulnerable manner. I'm not here to just say, Oh, I, I really enjoyed what you said on the, on the panel, like do a little bit of research behind his, his life events. Uh, and it's exactly what you're doing. And that's why off, off, off the record, I, I said that like, you're one of the most, uh, I've enjoyed my time sort of more with you than any other podcast because you've actually taken the, yeah, you've taken the steps to really dig into questions that are more personal about my why. So when I did that with Nasser, just as you did that with me, it ended up being a bond that, made me fly to the World Health Organization, opened all the doors right now for me and it made me become, you know, a, a, a spokesperson for mental health in the Middle East as a young Arab man. And now when I go to Nasser, I actually, you know, in Egypt, it's not work at all. It's personal. You know, I sleep over at his place. I speak at the, 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 his hospital, which is the Behman Hospital. It's the largest private mental health institution in the Middle East. Oh, wow. I, and my friends interned there, my friends in this in in the school that I was brought up uh, in, and this is a this is we're talking about the school the president's grandson was in, and when 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 I was giving the talk there and they're like Ali what how'd you no we never see him come out of his office, I responded I was sleeping over at his place we were having a great time, so talk about empathy always winning in that sense it does. And just by being real, raw, and authentic, you build connections. And you know, offline, it will you you will feel it more because this is truly when the the, the action, or it's truly when uh, you walk the walk. Uh, you don't walk the talk; you walk the walk. And I always say that. Yeah, 
Nah, man, that's, that's, that's such a good story and a, be- a beautiful example of empathy always winning. And thank you very much for the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, like you said, I think it's putting in that extra work to have the opportunity to have these deeper connections, like the one, you, for example, that you have with Dr. Nasser. You did your research, you did that. And that is what you care, you know, it's, it's that's where it comes from is to be cared, to be curious, to want to really connect with this person. That's what it like. That's what it takes. And to be willing to be, I think, vulnerable as well is also a big thing because that invites other people to be vulnerable with you and to have a better connection as well. So I totally, totally agree. That's an awesome story, man. And Dr. Nasser said on his on your podcast, which I thought was very interesting. He's like, my biggest fear is not dying. He's like, my biggest fear when I, you know, when I was diagnosed with Corona and I was going through depression was looking back at my life and thinking, did I not do enough? Did I not have the impact that I wanted to have on this world given everything I've done? And he's like, that was my biggest fear. So let me ask you, Ali, what would you, I know you're still quite young, so there's a long road ahead, but what is the impact that you would like to have like in your time here? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a question. (laughs) Um, Definitely the biggest impact that I am working now towards uh, is, is, is revolutionizing what it means to be diagnosed, to, to, to talk about mental health. I want to make mental health cool. I want to make, you know, um, and again, don't take this the wrong way, but I really look up to a guy that many people may know of. He's called Hugh Hefner. <laughs> okay. He was okay. the guy that revolutionized. Uh, I'm a big fan of his story. Maybe not like, you know, maybe not his lifestyle, but the story. He he was the first person to, at the time, Playboy rised to become the magazine for men in, 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 um, in the U.S. What happened was he was working for Esquire and then he he didn't see the change that Esquire was uh, that he could make. So he actually went and then within, I think, four years, he became the number one and be Esquire because they didn't give him a five dollar raise. And they were this is just a really good story. But how that relates to sort of where I see myself with the change is I see the mental health institutions. I see what people are doing, uh, but I don't see the action being taken. I don't see a voice being spoken. I don't see um, I don't see the normalization of 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 a lifestyle where happiness is the core center uh, driver i see a lifestyle where things are leading us to be very sad so i think if you tell me ali what is your end goal or, or if you look back what is this that you want to change i'll tell you that i definitely want to be uh, a pioneer in standing up and using my voice and being the guy that when I perhaps was going through a very bad depressive phase to be like, yes, this is someone I relate to. And because of him, I see hope. So whether that be on a stage talking to thousands or whether that I sing as well. So I've always wanted to have a creative message and not just a workplace consultant guy. I wanted to, I always want to adopt the Tony Robbins version of, 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 of spreading a message on a stage in an office with high performers. And that's why off, 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 off the record, we are talking to you about coaching as well. It's something that I really, um, uh, high performance coaching, it's something that I really want to get into. But more so for now, it's seriously 
starting a point zero, which is getting out and speaking um, on behalf of youth and be on behalf of what we need to see uh, that needs to happen for us to have a future that we can at least be talking in a language where other people, I mean, the mature people understand us in the workplace so that we're not being forced to do things uh, in a world where we see it differently. And companies are now adjusting to that with the social causes and any, every, everything's changing, but we just need to understand the importance of, of not feeling scared to talk about uh, not just feelings and emotions, but our mental and psyche, because not going out or not being able to work because of a, a concurrent issue that is affecting your psychology is just as, 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 as important as not being able to work because of an injury or a car crash that hit you. Like the productivity is talking from a business standpoint, and that's what really isn't said out loud. The, the, the losses are the same. So why aren't we giving that, that a little bit more light? That's what I want to be able to bring to the Middle East and, and as a youth uh, leader into the world. I think that we need to be able to uh, allow people to feel and be themselves and not, and, 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 not, and not use loopholes in systems because that will only lead to insustainability uh, on the long run. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a beautiful vision and I love it. And something you said earlier in our conversation was, and kind of relates to what you were saying now, is you want to be giving a voice to the voiceless. Like I, I love that. And I think with all the work you're doing, and where you're going and already the things you've already done, man, you're in a very good spot to achieve, you know, what you're trying to achieve. And I love the vision behind it. And like you said, it's, you know, making so people aren't scared to talk about their emotions, talk about their mental health. And like you correctly said, like in all aspects of life, whether it's work or whatever, your mental health is kind of like mental health is kind of like a physical, like physical health. It's all, it's j literally just as important. Like you said, like if I'm injured, okay, <clears throat> maybe I can't go to work. There's like losses there, but if I'm not mentally there, if anything, that's more important because the physical pain is just with time, it's going to heal. But like a mental one, there's no time on it. And unless we start having these conversations and giving, like you said, giving people hope to be able to relate to us and to see some potential in the future, it's not like you can't it needs to be the priority it needs to be at the forefront of every conversation and the way the world's moving now i think is towards that so <clears throat> i am hopeful of that i don't think it's going to be overnight but i think everything's moving in the right direction for sure yeah you're 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 right and and i think it's also important to know that we're we all have traumas inside of us like like no one is uh, no one's 100 percent. so i feel it's uh, we have to live in a, yeah, I mean, just to wrap things up, I feel like we have to live in a society where we understand that we are all here, um, not just together to help each other, but healing is part of, of what we need to pursue. This self-development or this growth, a big part of it is self-awareness. And a big part of it is understanding what what we weren't given as, as young children or, or what has hurt us or you know what we're scared of. And I think that in itself, is a big step for uh, you know our culture because um, we will then be able to deal with things the right way because if you can't imagine if you're going to imagine if you have something meant uh, physical and you can't put uh, you can't you can't diagnose it right it will keep biting you over and over again so the only reason why we keep suffering 
in our region is because we are not facing what we our traumas, you know, whether it's in Lebanon, whether it's the whether it's the security of our our, our lands, whether whatever it is, just being okay with understanding that we may maybe not be a hundred percent, but we're going to work towards it. That's where we need to start at point A, and the reform or the change will definitely take time. But the mindset, it's all about the mindset, and especially for Arab men who are technically um, in power. For, for, for many or most countries, this is where we need to be uh, more active and uh, we need to be able to not say this message in a repulsive way, but explain the message and, and deliver the message in a strong, empowering, and in a transformative way, in a way that allows someone who isn't feeling maybe so great not want to fight you, but want to work with you because he sees, he's, he sees, he sees himself uh, he sees a positive benefit in it. And when it comes to mental health, we're so scared. There's a negative association. But if we, if, if we don't fight that negative association, if we work with it and transform it into a positive, this is why I, I truly believe uh, yani, is, is the way forward. And I think with the podcast, yani, with what you're doing, it's, it's, it's a great first step um, for, for many people who want to help this message or for many people that want to help the region take the direction in the right uh, or, or steer the boat in the right direction so thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it was a pleasure man honestly and i love what you said about you know it's a not fighting not fighting it and looking at it as negative but rather working working with it not against it and transforming that message and developing that new mindset and i think at the end of the day like you said mindset is everything and that's the key that's gonna whatever happens next or whatever for this to move forward, for mental health to move forward together in the world. It's all about just changing that mindset, changing that perspective, and then the change will come. So I totally, totally agree, man. And one thing that um, your friends, I think one of your friends quotes, and I love that, I've never heard it before, but I resonated with it so much, is there's no better marketing than caring. And I thought that was just like perfect. And it really like spoke to me and it really like resonated with me. So, and that's, I can clearly see that's what you're doing too. And it comes from that kind of place. So awesome job on what you've done too, man. It's been awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you, Fadid. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Man. Thank you, man. And, and uh, as I always ask all my guests, uh, what's the last message that you'd like people to take home with them today? Yeah, I definitely would love to say um, sometimes we see many people that we love hurting, like very deeply. Um, we find ourselves like unable to help them because, you know, it's a bigger, bigger problem that we can handle. It's something that we feel useless being, being next to them, not, not knowing what to do. The only thing I would love to say for anyone who has someone they love going through a very tough time regardless of what it is is just listen to them uh, allow them space sometimes we want to jump right into fixing people that we forget that giving people space to rant and listen is a form of healing in itself so that's the last message i want to say and that's i build all my like close brotherly relationships like that I can't really express myself in a manner that not, is not just uninterrupted in a non-judgmental way and a way that allows me to feel safe 
as a man, not being judged, then I truly believe that this person is going to be a friend forever. And I always say that I always want to surround myself around people that I can confide in to the point where I can have them being my godfathers to my children. So I think creating that space, that family is so important. Um, and uh, yeah, if someone's hurting, please do that. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful message, man. And I think you said it perfectly about it's not always about fixing people because I know that's usually our natural like instinct. We want to help someone. We want to fix whatever they're going through. But it's giving them the space and letting them, you know, vent and confide in you and have just let them be open and, and to get rid of whatever they're holding into. That's where the healing starts as well. So no, I totally agree. Ali, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, I've loved our conversation. I think so many people can relate to your story and the work you do. And I think a lot of people can take something away from this. So thank you very much. appreciate it, Habibi. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Guys, to anyone listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, I hope it helps. Peace.